0: The station with more hair, more flair, yet so debonair. RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour, powered by the law offices of Ogle, Elrod, and Beryl on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights, and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, the president of Valor Fights, Tim Loy.
1: Valor Hour, episode 86. We are on and popping. I'm Tim Loy, your host, joined by my co host, Justin Watson. Coming off a bit of a slow week, uh, but getting ready to pick it up. You know, we've got uh, the Big Valor Show coming up next weekend. We've got a. Uh, a return uh, to the UFC after three weeks off, uh, albeit with a, a lackluster card, I'll say. We will still uh, get into some picks a little bit later with that, as well as uh, some great interviews, as always. We've got four of them lined up, and it is both uh, both sets of uh, uh, of, of uh, uh, competitors, if you will. It's the main event uh, for next weekend. Uh, we got Billy Swanson and John Hall both joining us tonight as well as Jason King and his fourth opponent of this show, yet probably the most uh, intriguing of them all in uh, Mr. Sick Nick Nasty himself, Nick Jewel, will join us as well. Justin, how was your week? Uh, it's been uh, a little bit uh, lacking in MMA this past week, but sometimes you need a little a little respite.
2: Yeah, it's been, it's been nice. I just had the PFL last weekend, but, um, yeah, I'm just kind of wiping my tears, recovering from not winning the – the Big Powerball or Mega Millions—that
1: is. I, I need to get into that, man. Like, I, 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 I have—you I, can't win if you don't play, right? So, so, is it, so, somebody won it, or is it still up?
2: Yeah, no, somebody won it. We, we did. Uh, my office did a pot, and we did four hundred bucks. Bought two hundred tickets, and I think we won fourteen dollars in total. But <laughs> somebody, yeah, somebody in South Carolina, probably forty-five miles from us, uh, won in a little small town. One point oh. six billion. Oh.
1: Oh my gosh. That's incredible. Well, good for them. Uh, but I hear it like ruins your life, So maybe we're lucky, you know, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: I don't think it would ruin my life. So uh, you know, in all honesty, I didn't really uh, check out the PFL card in uh, in full. I ended up getting sucked into the World Series instead, and uh, you know that was uh, I, I, I well, I guess it was the playoffs at the time. It wasn't the World Series yet, but it was uh, it was the last game of. Uh, the National League uh, playoffs, so I, I watched that instead. I did kind of keep up with the results, but I'm actually going to let you kind of handle this recap, man. We uh, we saw the uh, the the, the welterweights and the middleweights. Uh, do their their playoff and uh, to to get to the finals? There we saw uh, Jake Shields go down again to Ray Cooper. Uh, you know, uh, I think Rick Story lost his fight as well. Uh, give me your overall take on this card. You, I know that uh, you know we conversated a little bit. You said it was the first one you've really been able to sit down and and take in and, and you and you liked it. So uh, tell me tell me your your take on uh, PFL ten. Yeah, this is definitely the first uh,
2: playoff one that I've, that I've gotten to see. It's interesting, you know, in the first fight, it's two rounds. Um, and then if it's, you know, if it's one-to-one basically in those two rounds, then the winner of the first round moves on. Um, so that's kind of weird. I don't know. I think, uh, you know, some people might have gotten screwed out of, uh, screwed out of a fight there. Um, i trying to remember who it was, but somebody had, you know, like a, a more dominant uh, second round. But they were both scored at ten nine so he didn't get to move on. The guy who won the first round moved on. Um, PFL's I like PFL's layout but They I like the way they, they post uh fight or a punch count, um, you know, kick count, punch count, takedown attempts. It keeps that rolling on the screen all the time, so it kinda keeps you more aware of um, uh, you know, exactly what's going on. Um, and Ray Cooper, man, that, that kid's probably something to watch out before he finished. Uh, Jake Shields in the first round again, and then finishes his, his uh, opponent in the in the next fight, also in the first round. And that dude's going to be pretty scary.
1: You know that uh, what we were saying—he's a guy that uh, you know he kind of came out of nowhere. He's got a lot of fights, but I, but he hasn't really been on the scene, if you will, uh, in the past few years. And so he's a guy that uh, now he will face. Uh, a really tough one in uh, Magomed, Magomed Karimov, uh in the finals uh, there at 170, and then it looks like the the middleweight final will be Lewis Taylor and uh, man I, I I struggle to say this one Ab- Abusupion Magomedov who's 22 and three uh, does it do you, does it look like the uh, the Europeans will will take that or you think the Americans have got a shot? Oh man I don't know that Magomed, Magomed Karimov is
2: Legit. Um, that that'll be a fun fight to watch. The other one, uh, let's see, who who will he be, who be fighting? Uh, Lewis Taylor. Yeah. I don't I don't know if Lewis Taylor will be able to to handle all that though.
1: That Maybe will be. All, they're more. doing all of that in one big card, right? The, their their final card, New Year's Eve, I guess it is, and they're doing the the title fights in all the weight classes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like six million dollars, I guess, (laughs) going out that night. That'll be uh, that'll be wild. We'd be be interested to see if they get if they're able to pull good ratings on a New Year's Eve. You know, is this the kind of thing that people are going to stay in? You know, and and watch.
2: I think that if anybody that's been watching it so far is, you know, you're invested in at this point. Uh, So I think you definitely will catch the New Year's Eve event. Maybe you know, maybe a lot of people recording it. I don't know, but. Um, I think Taylor Harrison is going to be fighting that night, too. So it should be a good card.
1: In other news, of course, uh, there is uh, there's some rumors out there. I don't know if it's a sure thing or not. I just started seeing this pop up and you messaged me about it. But a potential uh, a trade of sorts, uh, the UFC uh, potentially uh, making a deal with one FC that would uh, see Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Go to the Asia Organization, ONE FC, who's really been, you know, in the headlines as of late, uh, getting a lot of praise from fighters for their treatment uh, of the fighters and you know uh, the, the the pay uh, that that they are offering. Uh, in exchange, uh, the UFC would get the rights uh, to sign Ben Askren. Uh, talk a little bit about that.
2: As far as I can tell, it seems like it's a done deal. Um, I think it's a win for for one championships and probably a lose for uh for the UFC it's going to be nice to see Ben Askren come over um and see what he can do against you know the top the top guys at his weight but um i think right now at one he's been fighting he's been uh their 185 champion uh the way they, the way that they do their uh weight cutting and hydration tests basically they moved everybody up one weight class all their champions got moved up one weight class so I'm assuming that he'll come to the UFC and fight at 170, but if he does, I mean, he, you know, he's not going to come right in and fight Woodley. They're training partners, so they're probably right. not going to fight each other.
1: Um, I just don't know what big good fights there are up there. Um, well, he's talking they, about TSP, wasn't he? What was it? Was he talking? I saw something where he was, you know, he he had said something like a week or so ago that he would be that he that he would be fighting GSP sometime next year in Montreal. And everybody was just like, well, whatever, you know, that that there's kind of went in one ear and out the other. And then all this all this talk has started where maybe it may not be so crazy that he be in the UFC. Uh, so that may be a fight that they go after GSP and, and, and ask uh, in in Montreal. That'd be crazy. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I kind of thought about that a little bit, but I just don't see it happening. I don't see what GSP has to gain from it. I mean, he's only got a limited amount of fights left, and that's not a great one to come back to, you know. Uh, I I think, especially in his eyes, coming back and fighting Khabib, or uh, you know, or or maybe Tyron Woodley is a much better option than um, than that fight. But I don't know. Uh, This is a fight that's been talked about for a long time, so. I guess it's a possibility, but I just don't see GST wanting to get out of bed for it. Yeah, I
1: I can see that as well.
2: I think the the biggest uh, winner in all this is probably Mighty Mouse. I think one championships. I heard something earlier that their last event, because it's it's all Mm -hmm. free, everything's free. It's not big over here, but, you know, Asia is such a big market. I, I heard that they had like 27 million people watching on their last event, so... You know, the, the amount of eyes that get on Mighty Mouse is going to increase exponentially. And, um, you know, Eddie Alvarez in the same boat. Both those are, you know, smaller guys, which is, you know, that's where 1FC kind of thrives is on their, their little guys. So uh, I think there'll be a lot of
1: good competition over there. I think that's a really uh, a good point, actually, that the, to, to know uh, the, those kind of numbers – uh, that's actually kind of, uh, take it, it, I'm taken aback almost. So, so essentially, uh, so one, uh, FC is, is potentially re- you know, reaching more eyes, you're saying, than what is essentially recognized as the top MMA promotion in the world. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's really incredible. And yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people in, in Asia, in those Asian markets. So I guess I can see that, but yeah, that's, that really is, uh, that is wild, and, and that that is uh, going to enable them to keep throwing those, those big paintings out there and we'll see if they can start making some some, some big moves as well. Um, one last piece of uh, news of note, I suppose, before uh, we get into our interview section. Uh, we, again, I was speaking with you earlier today. You seem to be a little well, as I'm at work through the days anymore, at the schools, I I am uh, uh, not as quick to, to catch on to some of the, the rumors and whatnot, you're telling me that the uh, Nevada Commission uh, has uh, has released some of Khabib's money to him. Yeah, I guess it looks like they gave him
2: half of his purse. So he got a million. They kept a million for what I'm assuming will be uh, go towards fines and, and what, whatever they decide. Um, they said that they uh, expect a resolution around December. Um, it's kind of crazy. I mean, did you see the thing that happened in the NBA this week, at the Lakers game? Uh, I, I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where
1: Rondo and all those guys got tossed?
2: Yeah, yeah. That, that happened, and the NBA came out, you know, like 24 hours later or whatever, and uh, put out the suspensions. You know, two games, three games, four games, whatever it was. And um, you know, now we're sitting here waiting until December uh, to find out what's going to happen with these guys. I think it's, it's kind of wild, but hopefully, hopefully, it won't be too much of a big deal. Hopefully, they'll just get some money out of it and. Um, nobody gets suspended or anything. I don't think it was as bad as it's blown out to be. I think ultimately, like I said before, I think it'll end up just selling the rematch a whole lot more.
1: You know, another good point you bring up, man, and it's something I've never really thought about, but you're right. You know, why is it that that it takes so long to get some sort of ruling and action, generally speaking, from athletic commissions when it comes to the fight game when uh you know of course i guess if you think about it at the same time athletic commissions are like state-run agencies and they've got the 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 red tape to go through with everything whereas you know the nba or the uh, overseeing uh, organization and other pro sports be it major league baseball or the nfl i guess they are they don't have as much red tape to go through but yeah you're right you see those those kind of uh those kind of uh, decrees handed down uh, very quickly, generally, when it comes to your, your other more mainstream sports, you'll find out real quick uh, what the punishment's going to be, and uh, it is it is odd that it takes so much longer for those things to come down the pike in uh, combat sports.
2: Yeah, what it boils down to is, is what you said, the, the athletic commissions, you know, the NBA, um, those are all, you know, they have a, a chairman and what, whatever, so they make all the decisions themselves. If it wasn't for the athletic commission, if the UFC was responsible for dealing out some kind of a punishment, um, which I get, you know, a lot of people say that they are responsible for doing that as well, but, sure. um, you know, they want, they're basically, we're waiting on the athletic commission to say what they're going to do. And then we'll wait to see what the UFC has to say after that, you know, if the UFC thinks that, that the athletic commission took it far enough then um, they'll just let that stand. Probably if not, then maybe they'll step into, too but, uh, yeah, just having to deal with the athletic commissions um, because you have to get licensed to each state. That's what, that's what ultimately takes it so long. Um, you know, you don't have to get licensed to go play basketball in each state. You just play basketball.
1: Yeah, it, may, it makes sense, really, when you think of it that way. It'll be interesting to see if the UFC uh, steps up and does anything on their own accord uh, in addition to anything that the uh, the commission hands out. That kind of uh, wraps up our uh, in the news, if you will. Uh, and it will uh, seg us into our first interview. And uh, let's go ahead and head to the phones for that. All right. On the line, we have got Mr. Sick Nick Nasty himself. Nick Jewell joining us tonight, getting ready to make his professional debut in just over a week. The Valor Fighting Challenge going down November the 2nd at the Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. He'll be taking on the Asian Persuasion Jason King in a fight that I'm really looking forward to. I think it'll be a lot of fun. How are you doing tonight, Nick? I'm doing good, man, doing good. I appreciate you taking a few minutes to join us tonight. Talk about this fight. Uh, like I just said, you're getting ready to make that uh, long anticipated pro debut. It's something we've been talking about now for several months. Uh, it comes as a little bit of a short notice situation as uh, Jason King had an opponent fall out. Actually, he has had three opponents. Uh, fall out on this fight. Uh, you stepped up and, uh, and, and took the call to make that pro debut. Uh, you know, it's something we've been talking about towards, uh, the beginning of the year. It's going to come a couple months early, but, uh, you know, I know you're a guy that stays ready. You stay, uh, training and you're on a, you're on an upswing, man. You've been, uh, you've come out and got some big wins. Uh, always an entertaining fighter. Talk a little bit about the decision to make that jump, uh, from amateur to pro.
3: Yeah. Uh, I talked to coaches and stuff about it and uh they was uh you know, they really didn't want me to make my pro debut right now. Figured I should get some more training where it's you know, short notice. But I stay ready and I'm gonna show everybody in November second why I stay
4: ready.
1: Well, you're fighting Jason King, a guy that is also well-known around these parts. Both of you guys pretty well-known around these parts over the past couple of years. Both been fighting a lot here and uh, putting on some stellar performances. You know, he's a guy that's known to be a flashy striker himself. Uh, you have uh, shown a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of excitement in your fights uh, just like he does both of you guys throw throw over the fences uh, have, have really exciting uh, flashy spinning kicks and, and aggressiveness so uh, talk a little bit about the matchup you know you're fighting another guy that is tall and long and likes to strike like yourself you know this is MMA and you have you uh, you have exhibited uh, a very strong tie game here over the last year or so, even fighting for the title, getting some big knockouts uh, at the Coliseum, uh, beating some some really good uh, prospects like Lewandowski. You know, talk a little bit about this matchup with King and uh, what you kind of what you kind of see, uh, how you see this thing going, uh, what what he brings to the table that you might need to watch out for as well. Um, he's
3: he's a very good decorated striker you know he's a, about just too I know a little bit about his background he's uh got that taekwondo third degree black belt i'm uh i pretty much you know i've watched all of his fights and i've i've got him nailed down to what what his game is and i'm going to pick him apart um he's i don't think he respects my power honestly you know I've heard uh, a lot of talk over the last couple of weeks that he don't respect my power, and I'm going to make him respect it.
1: I tell you, man, that is one thing that, that people definitely should respect because uh, you have, you've gone out there and you, you've put on some uh, some huge head kick knockouts. You know, you've, if I can recall, you've knocked out at least two guys uh on my cards uh, alone with with big head kick knockouts guys that uh you know coming into the fight you may have been uh, people were picking you to lose even so uh you know it's certainly not a good idea to sleep on your power i definitely say that uh talk a little uh, talk a little bit about uh you know the 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 whole process this has been i know i've been uh we, you and I have been in touch a lot over the past several days as far as uh, working on getting your license. It is a whole different ball game from amateurs, huh?
3: Yes, it is, man. Uh, it's probably one of the hardest things that I've did to become pro. Just, uh, all the exams and the blood work and physicals and everything's been a hassle and, you know, getting it in short notice, it's just
1: you got to be on the ball. Absolutely. And now, you know, this is a uh, situation where you're, you're coming in on short notice. Uh, we uh, we work to deal out to where you know we can reward you with, uh, you know, multiple fights, you know, now down the road to make sure you're, you're able to stay busy and, and making money and getting getting fights here. Uh, we were already talking about a, a, a tie fight uh, at the beginning of the year, whenever we return to the Coliseum for a big show there. Uh, is this a situation where you're going to just kind of go back and forth from MMA and uh, to tide? Are you do do you see yourself settling into tie, eventually more so? Or uh, is it a situation where, you know, you are just going to want to stay busy, you're going to fight uh, whichever style happens to, uh, to make the most sense for you at the time?
3: Um, you know, I'm, I'm more of a tie fighter. I just, I like the striking aspect. And, you know, you don't have to worry about takedowns and stuff like that. But, you know, if MMA calls and, you know, if the money's right, you know, I'll do it. It's a situation where I'm going to continue to try to fight pro but if uh, I can't get any fights, it's going to be pro-MMA.
1: It's like I was talking to your, uh, your teammate, uh, Zach, Zach, uh, Fox just a couple of weeks ago, you know, and we were discussing how, you know, it's, it's just, it's a lot harder, you know, for, for pro tie to take off, uh, you know, in this area and, uh, and why we thought that was. And I think it's, I think we're just a more or less a victim of our, of our location. You know, we were in California or the New York, Chicago, those areas where, you know, glory and lion fights and those, those top kickboxing tie promotions are then. And I think you would see a an uptick, if you will, in uh, in in action and and, uh, and for the desire to see uh, professional tie fights because they're always exciting. You know, all the pro tie fights that we've hosted have always you know, had the crowd, you know, cheering on their feet, it's, it's a blast. And even the amateur tie fights are, are always a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think more than anything, just being in the South where we are, that is what kind of handicaps guys from being able to really, uh, pursue that, uh, you know, going all the way, if you will, with, with Ty, what were your opinions?
3: Yeah. Uh, Ty, I think it's, uh, the bigger states, they, uh, they do a lot more ties and, uh, like us, Tennessee, you know, Kentucky, Indiana, those places around here, that more or less people want to see MMA because, uh, amateur ties, the headgear and chin guards, people don't like that. They, uh, they see it as, uh, not as much, you know, gruesome.
1: We know uh, that's one thing that we have been able to see a little bit of a change here in Tennessee over the past year or so. Uh, Guys that have the, uh, the required experience are now able to ditch that headgear. And, uh, and fight without it. And that, that I think is a lot more appealing to the fans, uh, obviously. And I think it just gets you ready more, uh, for the, you know, for that pro jump, because, uh, I think that it would probably be, uh, a, a much bigger shock to, to not, to not lose that headgear until, until it really counts. Right. So, uh, so before, before I let you get some shout outs here, man, uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask for an official prediction here. You know what what is your call on this fight next week? I, I I don't know that I've ever seen you shoot for a takedown. I can't say for sure that I haven't, but I can't recall you ever shooting for a takedown. Uh, I'm not not for sure that Jason won't, but for the most part, you know the book on him is he likes to strike too. Uh, what what's your call, man? Are we gonna are we gonna have a slugfest? Um, you know I just.
3: I 100% can tell you that I don't see Jason King striking with me. I know he's got good striking. He's fast. He's long. But my power, he just won't be able to endure what I bring to the table because the power that I got, he's never felt before.
1: I'm excited to see it, man. I'm going to give you the floor to to give some shout-outs where they are due, any love you want to give to uh, training partners, friends, family, uh, all the people that have gotten you up to this point.
3: Yeah, I want to give a shout out to my team back home, LKA. I don't train with them a lot anymore, but I love all you guys down there. Tyler Christman, uh, Tyler Shipp uh, for helping me stay ready and getting ready. His team and uh, core in Louisville. I just want to thank all you guys. Uh, It's been a good road here and it's going to keep on going.
1: Once again, this has been Mr. Sick Nick Nasty himself. Nick Jules, he's gearing up for that big pro debut. It's coming up just in about a week next Friday night, November the 2nd at Fight Night of the Joe. It's Valor Fighting Challenge. He's going to be again taking on the Asian persuasion. Jason King, make sure you check that out. And also follow Nick wherever you can on social media. Thanks so much for the time, Nick. We'll talk. We'll see you next week.
3: See you, man.
1: All right. On the line up next, we have got the Asian persuasion himself, Jason King. He's getting ready to face his uh, fourth opponent now uh, at the Valor Fighting Challenge Fight Night at the Joe event. It's going down in just a little over a week. Uh, it's going down next Friday, and that is November the 2nd. And it's going out the Cotton Night Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. First time we've had uh, fights at the Joe in several years. Excited for that. Jason, how's it going, my man?
5: I'm doing fantastic. Uh, just happy to have an opponent. How are you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm happy to have you an opponent, man, because uh, it seems like the past, uh, the past year or so, it's been hard to keep them sticking in there. Uh, I appreciate you taking a little bit of time to chat us up. Uh, I think this one's going to stick. We've got all the medicals in there now as of today, uh, and everyone is cleared and ready to go. Of course, uh, you'll be facing Mr. Sick, Nick Nasty himself, Nick Jewell, uh, in his pro debut, uh, next week. And, and as I just mentioned, this is opponent number four. Uh, before we get into the fight a little bit, uh, has it has it been frustrating to you? Obviously, I know it has to be somewhat uh, to keep getting the opponent changes, or are you, do you kind of have tunnel vision and it's just whoever it is is whoever it is?
6: Um, a little
5: bit of both. I mean, it, it is frustrating to some degree, you know, just having the constant opponent changes, uh, just having the Uncertainty, uncertainty of whether you're fighting or not, it can definitely put a strain on a fight camp, on a fight in general, as you know, as far as all this goes. But you know, one thing that I have learned, whether it was from past fights, you know, in uh, July I believe I was supposed to fight. I had two opponents back out. Then I was supposed to fight out in Kansas City, and I had to back out from a back injury. And then, like you said, this is the fourth uh, opponent for this one. Um, yeah, I, I, I try to. I'm, I'm blessed in the sense that you know, I learned a long time ago that fight camps aren't what makes you get in shape for a fight. You stay in shape for a fight, and then hopefully you luck out and you get an opponent that you can prepare for for X amount of weeks. But you can't rely on you know luck. I say luck out, but luck doesn't really exist. You know, either something happens or something doesn't. And you know, if you if you stay ready and you just stay active and you stay ready to go, you just learn to roll with the punches. And like I said, I'm just happy that you know somebody agreed to the fight, and like you said, they've done the medicals, and it looks like it's a go, so I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to put on a show for everybody,
1: and uh, like I said, I'm just blessed to be able to do it I love. Well, it's that mindset, I think, that that really separates the guys that, that are going to rise to the top and those that don't. You, I'm sure that you've been in the game many, many years yourself, and you see guys that they, they only really train, and if there is a fight, for sure, like, do I have an opponent set and a date? Okay, I'll get in the gym and I'll start training now
5: yeah you know and and I used to be like that to a degree um especially to the uh, amateur ranks but it, it's just it's one of those things that over the course of you know i think this would be ten years since my uh, amateur debut uh-huh. something that you yeah something that you learn over time um you know I, I i i i used to be that guy i used to be the amateur that would black off at the gym and then, you know, if I got a fight coming up, you know, I would, you know, try to get back in there, get in shape, all this stuff. But what uh you know a lot of I think younger fighters don't realize and if I could like impart one thing to a younger generation of fighters would be, you know, you not showing up to fight, yeah, it hurts you, but if you have if you're part of a team, it hurts your team. Um, you know, oh, yeah. you're not there pre- preparing for a fight. They're not, you're not there helping them prepare for a fight. And if you're not helping them prepare for a fight, maybe they're learning something that you're not learning. So, you know, like I'm coming into this, if you want to call it a fight camp, you know, yeah, I didn't get to prepare specifically for Nick jewel for the past eight weeks, but I got to help, you know, I got to help Vince prepare for, you know, the biggest UFC card, um, that that has the biggest UFC pay-per-view that's ever existed. I've gotten to help, you know, all of my other teammates, um, you know whether it was 125 males to 115 females to the big heavyweights you know I was there every single day to help them prepare and as a result of that not only you know do they get better but I get better every single day because you know you're never you're you're never not going to learn something as long as you're open enough to learn it so I learned that a long time ago fortunately for me and uh you know I've just been coming every day and you know, I'm just, uh, I, I just say I, I'm beyond
1: blessed and beyond happy just to be able to fight. Well, Let's talk a little bit about the fight itself. Uh, Nick Jewel has stepped up and taken this, and this will be his pro debut. He's on a bit of a roll, though, and through the amateur ranks, he's a guy that's had some big knockouts uh, in front of our uh, our crowds, and the cr- and crowds that you fought in front of yourself uh, at the uh, the Coliseum show uh, back in January with a big head kick knockout over uh, West Monarch, and then uh, another knockout, another head kick knockout, if I can recall, over Tim Fair uh, in the summer. So, uh, you know, these guys are are not uh, you know, professional level guys, just yet. But that said, uh, you know, he, he's going out there and, and he's and he's knocking them out. You know, and, and, and he's doing it in an impressive fashion. Talk a little bit about the matchup. He's another longer, taller guy uh, like yourself. He's another guy that likes to strike. Uh, obviously, he is. Uh, you know, he, he's going to want to keep his standing. Uh, talk a little bit about the matchup and uh, what we can expect.
5: Um, well, I can only speak for myself. You know, people know what what to some degree to expect from my fights. You know, whether whether I win or I lose, you know, something's gonna happen. It's gonna be exciting. Uh that's what I know I bring to the table. And you know, as far as Nick goes, you know, I've watched a couple of his videos and yeah, you know, he's got some, you know, high, you know, highlight real knockouts and you know I think he's fairly young, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you know, I think if he applies himself to this sport, you know, I think he he can go he can go as far as he wants to go with, it, you know. You know, but I would he? would be lying for me to say that. I think that he's better than me. You know, um, I, th- I think that he's young. He's got a lot of potential, and you know, I'm just, like I said, this is my 10 year fight anniversary. You know, as far as what to expect, um, if I know anything from the past 10 years, is you know, yeah, he's tall. Yeah, he's rangy. and I think he's actually a little bit bigger than me. And all that being said, anytime anybody's gone in there and said that they're going to stand and bang with me. They go for a takedown within the first minute. So, um, you know, maybe we stand in bang, maybe we go to the ground. I don't really know and I don't really care. Um, you know, the fight goes where the fight goes, and I'm going to be ready to go, ready to rock and roll no matter what. Um, so, if you're coming out to the fights and you've never seen me fight before, expect fireworks. Don't blink. You know, I something exciting is going to happen.
1: What's interesting that you said that, because we just spoke to Nick right before we spoke to you, and he essentially said, in not so many of the same words, the same thing. Uh, he said that he knew that you couldn't handle his power, and that he had no doubt that once you started to strike, that you would be the one to initiate a takedown rather than stand with him. So it's very interesting to hear both, essentially the same thing coming from both guys, because I think that uh, means no matter what, we're probably going to get some excitement. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um,
5: you know. Best of luck to him, and if that's what he thinks, then uh hope we can take it to the bank.
1: No doubt, my man, no doubt. So, uh, you know, obviously we're getting in towards the end of the year here, uh, gearing up for 2019. Uh, I know you probably haven't gotten to be as active as you probably would have liked to in 2018. Uh, what's the plan for next year, man? Is, is the plan for you to, to, to really try to, to rack up some uh, some fights, uh, quite a few? Uh, are you just kind of taking it as they come, or is there a little bit of a concentrated effort to make sure that you get a, a lot of action in 2019? Yeah, I,
5: I would love to say that I'd fight nine times next year you know if i if I could fight every month every other month, you know God willing and my body being able to you know hold up that level of training for that long, you know if I could fight nine times in a year, I definitely will you know if I'm blessed enough to fight three times in a year, I'm still happy um you know I hope to fight as often as possible, and you know the more often the better, but you know sometimes the needs of the gym outweigh my needs so you know, I needed to step back and I needed to help run, uh, you know, and help other people get ready for fights. That's, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to accept that role. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I expect to stay as, at least as active as I have been always, I hope for more, but you know, it's a, a lot of that you can't control, you know, whether it's through fight cards or injuries or whatever you know, it is. You know, like I said, I'm I'm on opponent number four for just this fight by itself. So uh, you, you you can't control anything in this fight, game. You know, it's kind of like, you know, everybody knows that anybody can win, anybody can lose. You can get clipped you know, on any given night, but um, you know you, you just can't you can't control even getting to the fight half the time. You know, just, that that's half the battle. So you know, we'll see. But hopefully, I, I get to stay as busy as, as busy as possible.
1: So you have a lot of teammates on this card coming up. So I'm sure that's been uh, exciting to be able to, to, you know, go through fight prep and, and see uh, the progress of all of those teammates. You are, I believe the biggest one though. So, uh, you know, you've got a couple of females, including your, your girlfriend, uh, Emily on the card as well uh, as Dre Miley, Chris Wolf, Shamir, and uh, an amateur, if I'm, I believe an amateur as well. Uh, so, you know, what's it been like going through fight camp with everyone is obviously I'm sure it goes without saying that uh, it, it it's, motivating when you've got you know six of you guys fighting together and also uh, and, to, and you kind of follow that up with uh is uh, what's it been like going uh, through fight camp with a significant other uh, I, i'm not mistaken now nah, again i could be wrong I, it's happened but i think this is the first fight you guys uh, have had on the same card together uh is that more stressful or is it actually uh, uh a kind of a, a cool thing kind of going through the process together
5: Uh, It's definitely a cool thing. I I could probably answer both of those questions the same way. Um, You know, yeah, I'm I'm super thrilled to have my teammates out there with me, Um, you know, getting to train with them every day. Fortunately, most of the people at KMA have adopted the same mentality I have. You know, whether we have a fight or not, we're always there. So, you know, you you become a family, you know, you... Uh, I, I joke about it. You know, I say that, you know, I, I get to punch all my best friends in the face on a regular basis. But that's that's true. Um, you know, you go out there and you sweat, you bleed and you cry and you laugh together, you know, every single day and that you know that bond you know, is is something that most people will never be able to understand. And you know, I'm I'm excited to have gone through a chain camp with them, but more than that, I'm just excited that you know, I get to watch them do what they love. I get to watch them do what they have you know been training to do, and you know all of that applies to Emily as well you know it's been it, you yes, asked if it was if it was a stressful thing if it was an exciting thing, it was all the things I just said, but multiplied times a thousand you know it's 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 not a stressful thing it's you know you you go home and you know somebody's there that you know not only understands it like on paper what you do they, they live it every single day and they live it right there with you so you know whenever you know you want to have date nights or you want to go do something else you know you you hold each other accountable to what must be done you know so we have our date nights at the gym and you know we get to beat each other up and we get to work on techniques and we get to come home and you know for the time that we're home we get to put all of that to the side and enjoy being with each other but at the same time making sure that you know, again, we hold each other accountable. What foods are we eating? You know, what what drinks are we drinking? You know, is everything the way it is supposed to be if you're going to hold yourself to a professional standard? And, you know, I have that in Emily. I don't you know, it's it, it's yes, I have all my teammates and Emily is my teammate. She's been my teammate longer than she's been anything else. But, you know, she is she is my partner in all things. And you know, that has been a huge blessing. It's been exciting, it's been fun. Um, you know, we were joking the other night about you know two people cutting weight at the same time at the same house, you know, should be stressful, but we haven't felt it yet. You know, I don't think we're going to, you know, we're walking, we're walking into fight week pretty much just, you know, happy and ready to go and ready to go do the
2: thing that we love to do.
1: Well, I can tell you, I am very excited for both of y'all's fights. It's excited for a lot of these fights, man. It's gonna be a really fun car. We've got a really good main event as well as uh, a good showcase of uh pretty you know, all, all the all the Knoxville talent, you know. So I'm really I'm really pumped for it. I'm gonna let you have the the floor to give some shout outs where they're due, teammates, uh training partners, sponsors, family, friends, you know the drill. Yeah,
5: yeah. Uh, you know, thank you, Tim, and you know, Valen, and, the fun and Challenge. And you know, like I said, it's been a like ten years meeting mystery started it you know, 3FC1, which is the predecessor to Valor, which is the predecessor to Valor Fighting Challenge. You know, thank you for everything you've done with me, for me over the years. Thank you for the interview. Uh, thank you to all of my teammates at uh, Knoxville Martial Arts Academy. There's too many of you to list. So I'm not going to try. i will feel bad about forgetting somebody. You know, thank you to uh, my strength and conditioning coach, you know, Frankie Padilla over at FBS combat and all the people over there that are supporting me, all my sponsors, um, Mad Tatter Studios, uh, Clean Cloud Grooming Lounge. Um, yeah. Normally I have a list ready, but, uh, didn't, didn't get one, but yeah. Any, anybody who's, uh, supported me and sponsored me over the years. Thank you guys so much. Um, and, a uh, big shout out to, uh, you know, American killer bees, um, you know, big sexy and, uh, you know, David uh, Robbins owner, you know, they've been coming to KMA on some Fridays and getting good working with us. You know, I appreciate you guys, um, you know, and anyone and everyone for, uh, for supporting me through the years, or whether you love me or hate me, you know, thanks for watching, and uh, you know, thank you to my opponent because without him, I, I would literally probably just be eating pizza and trying to soak up my tears with it, and uh, you know, so today, thanks, thanks, Snake Jewel for taking the fight, you know, and thank you everyone else.
1: Once again, this has been the Asian Persuasion. Jason King he gets ready to step back into the cage. Next Friday night, the Bower Fighting Challenge Fight Night at the Joe, November 2nd at the Cotton Eye Joe. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you follow him on social media. Definitely one to watch. Thanks again for the time, Jason. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Okay. Up next on the line, we've got one half of our main event next weekend at the Valor Fighting Challenge Fight Night at the Joe. He's going to be taking on big, sexy Billy Swanson. And we've got big John Hall on the phone. Valor 205, uh, amateur champion, making his pro debut, jumping right into the main event. John, how's it going tonight? It's going good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. We appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk. Uh, you know, it's been a few – it's been uh, over a year, I think, now, since uh, since the last time you competed. Uh, you know, you've had some injuries that have held you out. The last time you competed, I, I want to say, was it May of last year? Uh, October 21st in Chattanooga. October. October, that's right. So it's still been a bit over a year. We're be a year and a month. Uh, where you been, my man? You know, I know we've had some injuries and whatnot, but, you, you know, I know also just from following you on social media that, you know, you haven't been out of the gym.
6: No, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been training since last October, but uh, I've been helping train other people up as well. So uh, my, a few of my teammates, we've been getting at it and sharpening our craft and getting a little bit better, so. Getting more well-rounded.
1: You've been doing a lot of cross-training, I know, with uh, the the gang uh, Dustin Long and, and those guys up in Johnson City, helping uh, sharpen your tools. I know that it is hard to get uh, bigger guys. Uh, you know your your size uh, in not to say there's none, but there's there's uh, it, there are fewer and far between in Newport.
6: Yeah, it's hard. It's it's hard even in just East Tennessee. There's only a few real big guys out there, so. I uh, we have Snap in Newport, so I mean that's about as big as you're
1: gonna get. <laughs> no doubt. And of course, Lance Abbott, another good guy to train with there in the area. Uh, before we get into the talk about this fight, uh, I want to uh, let you pin your group a little bit. You're, you have kind of taken over the reins with the Newport Combat Club over the past year or so after uh, Trevor has kind of stepped out of the game or to the side a little bit. Uh, you talk a little bit about that group and what you guys have got growing. You guys have, uh, have really kind of started to uh, amass some, some numbers over there and are seeing some success.
6: Yeah, we just, uh, there's like, the thing is, there's like no real leader. It's just, we all really just work together and strive for the same goal, and that's just to push each other and get each other better. So, it's just, we're just one pack, just moving in the same direction, and that's to strive to grow as a unit, which that's what it takes to in this sport, even though it's just one man stepping in there for each team, but it takes a team to accomplish the goal, so.
1: Now you're going to be coming into this pro debut undefeated as an amateur. You you have beaten everyone that's been put in front of you, and if I'm not mistaken, you finished everyone that's been put in front of you, uh, including taking that that Valor amateur championship. Uh, you know, at, at 205, this fight will be a heavyweight, and I know making 205 was a bit of a drain on you, but you did it. Uh, what's it been like knowing that you don't have to cut any weight for this fight? Have you been able to you know put on some you know even more muscle and get more strong, knowing that you don't have to you know cut 30, 40 pounds?
6: Um, Yeah, I I actually started working out about seven months ago. I've never worked out before, like, in a uh, fight camp or just in general up while I started fighting. So, like, since my fighting career started, I've never actually hit the weights. But uh, about seven, eight months ago, I started working out and gaining some strength. So, again, i mean, trying to prepare for every situation. There's going to be some, obviously, in this situation, it's a bigger guy, but at two hundred five, my natural fight weight, uh, you're going to have some big explosive guys as well. So you want to sort of try to find that balance for every situation. So yeah, it's, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's not that bad to happen. Not really having to cut that much weight, like not, not cut weight at all. So.
1: So you know, you've got uh, a pretty highly anticipated fight, kind of a, a dream fight here for East Tennesseans, uh, taking on the the Valor or the former Valor amateur heavyweight champion, big sexy Billy Swanson out of the American Killer Bees in Cleveland, very outspoken, very polarizing individual. Uh yes, and, sir always always uh, you know willing to, to talk some trash uh talk a little bit about the matchup it's it's kind of obvious i think to people that follow the scene here we've got a we've got a striker versus a wrestler uh you know uh, billy a very highly pedigreed wrestler uh has uh, has been able to implement that wrestling game in most of his successes um uh, Yourself, but uh, more of a not saying you don't be grappling, but but more known more as a striker. You're a knockout artist, and uh, and you and you knock dudes out. You know, so it's it's kind of your your classic uh, striker versus grappler. Talk a bit about the match. Um,
6: which whenever I was presented the opportunity to fight Billy, I went and studied and film and stuff, which. You got to look for the pros and cons and the way you think you can be beat and the way that you can beat him, so we went and waited out, and it felt like there was more ways to for us for for us to have an opportunity to win because uh of his strengths and which if you go back and watch my film, there's really no film of me on the ground so and if it was is as in James Garmony's fight, and that was two years ago and if you think that's where my ground game's at. Uh, then that's naive on yourself to think that. So the thing is, like, uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much what I've been working on is just my ground wrestling. I mean, that's where a lot of that layoff was at. It's just I took time to, like, get well-rounded. So the thing is, uh, I mean, I, I think, I mean, he is, I'm, I'm not uh, going to be naive that he's not, the better wrestler but if he thinks that i can't wrestle or like that he's going to be in the first surprise on that so but it's uh i know i know his strengths and his weaknesses so i know where to respect his skills at and where his weaknesses are so but i like billy i mean i've known him since i fought my first opponent josh williams because he was a killer b as well so
1: I, I forgot about that fight. That was an awesome fight. Uh, that, yes, and that sir. was a fight where you went down there, you know, uh, you went down there and ended into Cleveland, if I can recall, and, and knocked off the hometown guy. Is that is that right? Yes, sir. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. So a little bit of history with you and those guys. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, we've beaten it to death already, the wrestler versus striker aspect. You've been working on your wrestling there. Uh, One thing uh, that is is also a bit of a question, I think, heading into this one is, you know, all of your fights have been finishes. I I can't recall you going uh, to the judges. Uh, You know, is that a a concern, knowing that we're about to ramp up to five-minute rounds from three-minute rounds and, and Billy is a guy that has gone those rounds?
6: Um, well, I don't know if he's ever, like, had somebody that, that's going to move on him, that's going to ca- cause him to, like, actually have to move. Like, <clears throat> if you watched his last fight against Dakota McPherson, he was gassed in the first round. And Dakota pressured him, but he didn't move and pressure him. So it's a little bit different of a feel. And Dakota was, like, 5'9 and wasn't long on him. So, therefore, that gap distance he had to take to change – to get to the Coleman uh to get through them strikes, he was already there because the Coleman Person was short. So, being six five and long and range and able to move, and him stepping in and not being there, that's going to cause a lot of his conditioning problems as well. So, um, I went, I went three rounds with James Garmy, but it finished like with two minutes left. So I've, I, I know, I know I can go, I, I know I can go the distance. I've been trained like I said. Last year, I've been just pushing it, gas pedaling it. Like, I've not been fight camp ready, but I've been ready since my, my last fight
1: so, so a- I, I think this is a fight that's got a lot of fans excited because uh, you know it's kind of one of those uh, you know those things both you guys have kind of come up around the same time uh, both of you guys champions in the organization and uh, so I think it's definitely a worthy main event even though we're looking at two guys in their pro debut I, I didn't hesitate to put it there at the top of the top of the order uh, any uh, uh, excitement there about being in uh, in the you know jumping right up to the top of the card in your in your pro debut and uh, and also uh, talk a little bit about the The venue here, you know, it's Cotton Eye Joe. It's kind of a staple here in Knoxville. Everybody knows about the Joe. Uh, It should be a really electric atmosphere.
6: Oh yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely exciting. Uh, Both of our pro debuts being been main event, and uh, especially like it's almost a middle ground for both of us because like Cleveland's like halfway from Knoxville, and Newport's almost halfway from Knoxville. So it's like we're meeting in the middle in Knoxville and uh, at Cotton Eye Joe. So it's almost like a neutral ground for both of us. So that's also a factor as well. It's also great that both of us probably have lots of fans there to watch both of us put on a great show. So,
1: yeah, no doubt, man. I'm I, I'm, I'm truly stoked for it. It's certainly the fight that I'm looking forward to the most next week. Uh, before uh, I let you go, man, I'm going to let you give some shout-outs where they are due. Any uh, sponsors, training partners, friends, family that have uh, helped you get to where we are now.
6: I'd just like to thank God. I'd like to thank my team, uh, thank my, my family, uh, just everybody that's helped push me. I mean, there's a list that going for days, so I just try to keep it in a, a sec, section it out. So, but, but like I said, just God, family, my team, everybody pushing me, help help strive to get to this position that I'm at. So, without them, it wouldn't happen. So, like thank, like thank our fights for putting on a, a great promotion, so we can go showcase our skills next week. And thank Cotton Eye Joe's for why well, I must actually uh, host a, a bar. There, so it's a bar. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, there's like, like, like. There's a, so a many people that I know point.
1: that have probably been kicked out of the Cotton Eye Joe for fighting. So this is going to be like allowed. And so that's going to be pretty cool. That's right? It's, it's legal now. That's right. And and one more thing before before I I wrap it up, man. uh, We probably uh, won't get a chance to talk to him on the show, but a lot of people are interested in your teammate on this card as well, Chance Hurst. He'll be making uh, his MMA debut, jumping into deep waters against Jacob Clemens. Uh, You know, we were talking to Jacob Clemens last week, and, uh, you know, we were were talking up uh, Chance because, you know, hey, you guys – I saying you guys know – who Jacob is. He's, he's a, he's a well-known uh, flyweight in the area. been fighting for years, a uh, top prospect. And you guys knew who that, who he was and didn't he- hesitate at all to jump in there. So it shows me that you're very confident in chance and, uh, in his abilities. Talk a little bit about him real quick.
6: Yeah. Chance. He's, uh, he's got a, he's got a huge heart and, uh, he's at the gym. I don't know. I think he lives at the gym, but, uh, <laughs> I mean we sat down and talked about the fight we've we watched all of Jacob's fights and it goes back to finding the pros and cons strengths and weaknesses and I was like hey man I sat him down I was like this is gonna be a a, a stout fight I was like this dude is well rounded in every situation he's like he's like I want not I was like I was like well I'll, I'll pass along the word and see what we're doing uh He's just been working his butt off and getting ready for this fight. And uh, I, believe it, I believe that he's ready for it. So, uh, like I said, he's, he, he's pretty much living at the gym.
1: Definitely a good reason for the fans to get there early in the night. We've only got three amateurs on the night. We've got a lot of pro, pro action on this car and only three amateur fights, so definitely get there early and check out uh, some of these up-and-comers for sure. I appreciate you uh, taking the time, John. Once again, this has been John Hall. He's getting ready to make his long-awaited pro debut in the main event, the Valor Fighting Challenge, Fight Night of Joe, next Friday night, November the 2nd at the Cotton Eye of Joe. Best of luck, John. Can't wait. We'll see you next week. Uh,
6: let's see. Thanks for
1: having me. Help. All right. Now joining us, we have got the second half of the main event going down next weekend at the Valor Fight Challenge. Fight night of the Joe will be taking on Big John Hall. It's Big Sexy Billy Swanson. What's going on, Billy?
7: Nothing. Just another day. Had some good sparring tonight.
1: Very going good. Out and out. Good. We're. We're only a week out, man, only a week out from uh, your return to the cage. You have you, sat out now for a while, kind of waiting on this big pro debut. John Hall also been out. Uh, John's been out for just over a year now uh, on the sidelines as well. So both you guys uh, uh, will have uh, equal, um, I guess, cage rust, if you will, to shake off.
7: Uh, yeah, you know, that people believe in cage rust, but honestly, you know, I, I'm ready whenever. Uh, I mean – Every time I step in the cage, I'm
1: ready. No doubt about it, my man. So, uh, you know, it's your pro debut. You're stepping right into the main event. Uh, We're really excited for it. This is uh, like we were talking to John just earlier. And, uh, you know, he was uh, was talking about how this is a bit of a a middle ground, you know, in Newport and Cleveland, uh, about equal distances. From Knoxville, so uh, you guys are kind of meeting in the middle to, to throw down. You got two former uh, uh, promotional champions: uh, you, the heavyweight champion; him, the light heavyweight champion. You know, he's he's fought and beat some of your former teammates. So you guys have have uh, have never crossed paths, but you've always been kind of in the corner of each other's eyes, right? Uh,
7: yeah, you know, I've I've known about John for a while. Um, you know, I, I would say Knoxville is kind of the middle ground, uh, but I believe that John ducked me as an amateur, which, you know, he could say what he wants, but facts are facts. He had his first two amateur fights at heavyweight, and then the Saudi fight came up, and he fought James Garminy at 205 for the belt, and not me at heavyweight. So some could say he's already ran once, but the good thing is, November 2nd, the running's done.
1: No doubt, man. And it is uh, it is definitely going to be uh, a really tension filled uh, crowd. You know, I've already seen a little bit of the the the, the trademark big sexy talk online, which uh, we can always uh, come to uh, enjoy before fights. I know I really do. Uh, You know, is that uh, is that something where, uh, you know, you try to get in your opponent's head a little bit, uh, you know, or is it it, uh, well earned on their end?
7: Uh, well, honestly, you know, I've got I've got respect for John. He's six and zero. He's undefeated. You know, he's got a lot of good finishes. But uh, uh, honestly, I mean, I hope nothing bad on John. I hope John has had a great fight camp. I hope he has learned as much wrestling as possible. I hope that his ground game is hopefully improved because I'm gonna hurt him. John Hall is not ready for what I'm about to do to him. John Hall is not big enough. He's not durable enough, and he has not been tested by anyone like me. John Hall is in for a hell of a day come November 2nd.
1: You know, we're talking to John uh, about the, uh, the matchup, if you will. There's no doubt that, uh, you know, this is your wrestler versus striker uh, kind of classic traditional matchup here. Uh, he, he conceded that, uh, that you, know, you know, you are the stronger wrestler in this contest, but he also said he's been working on his wrestling a lot. He's going to get in a lot stronger as well, he said, in uh, in this uh, uh, situation where he's not cutting to 205. And uh, he, he wanted you to know that if uh, if you thought that he didn't have anything for you wrestling-wise, that, that you were going to be in for uh, a surprise. So, uh, you know, uh, he also mentioned that, you know, you hadn't fought someone that was, as you know, as long and tall uh, as he is, uh, you know, uh, with your, your other... Your other more difficult.
7: Ben Ben okay. six and and undefeated when I knocked him off. So he was six foot four and hit a lot harder than John Hall and had had multiple fights at heavyweight. So John Hall can say what he wants about length. The difference is that just means my fist is going to go two inches higher. That's the difference. John Hall is going to get fucked up on November second.
1: You know, we talked a little bit about also about the, uh, the extended rounds here. You know, John has not gone the distance. He's always gotten these guys out of there. You know, he's finished all of his opponents, uh, which is, a, you know, a testament to his dominance. At the same time, you know, we're, we're moving up to five-minute rounds. You, you're a guy that has been the rounds. You know, you've gone out there and, and competed for the, you know, the full distance before. So uh, it, it may not be as big a stretch for you. Uh, do you think that could be something that affects him if we get into to deeper water, if you will?
7: The longer the fight goes, the less John Hall has a chance. See, John Hall, he, he's going to be quick. He's going to be, you know, poppy right out the gate. But I'm going to wear him down just like I've done everyone. Everyone's always said, hey, Billy's got no striking. He's got no chin. I'm going to knock him out. He's a fat ass. His wrestling sucks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They always, you know, they always try and bring it down. But the moral of the fact is I'm 9-1 for a reason. My one loss was after training only five months to a guy from the top five gym in the world. John Hall's not fought anyone on that level. I'm about to expose John Hall. John Hall is going to understand that there is a different level out there. and He's not Daniel Cormier. He can't just jump up to heavyweight and hang with the big boys.
1: Now, there would be that argument, I would guess, from the other side, that your one loss that you did incur – was to a guy that is, you know, uh, a plus athlete, if you will, a, a long, tall uh, striker. And so that would potentially open up the argument. But, the side right now, that is, that, that would be John' uh, potential striking, habit. But
7: Denzel's a national runner-up in wrestling. He's a Very national collegiate runner-up in wrestling. Like, he took second in NAIA in college. So... I mean, that was probably going to turn into a slugout anyway. I mean, like you said, I said, I really, you know, I hate to down talk John. It really it was his fans that kind of ruffled my feathers, we'll say. <laughs> you know, that's real. I, I was going to, you know, be respectful up until it, but they wanted to keep calling me a fat ass. And, no, um, it is what it is. But I'm going to show them, just like Roy Nelson showed the world, you know, what you look like does not matter when it comes to your technical knowledge
1: so it's been a while since we've seen you uh out there in the cage man what have you been uh, what have you been working on I've, i know you've been in the gym and you've been training there with david uh obviously before just starting to get ready for this fight what's uh what has been the aspect of your game that you've been uh trying to trying to focus on if anything
7: um i really honestly i've, I've ramped up my training like uh as an amateur, I don't want to say I half-assed it, but you know, I I didn't, I undersold my capabilities. I didn't really push myself cardio-wise, you know. And good good thing about David being able to either be deaf or you know c- turn the cold shoulder to my bitching, but you know, it it took a while, but like uh, honestly, like past three months, I my cardio, I've been pushing it through the roof. We've been doing hard workouts. I've been doing two days for three months. Like, people are not ready for what they're about to witness. It, it's funny. Everybody, like I said, you know, they want to talk about how I have no striking, how, how I just can wrestle. But I want John Hall to look back since he's analyzed all my fights, and I know he's going to listen to this. So I want him to look back on all my fights and think about when I could have elbowed or need someone in the head. And thank you. That's going to be on November 2nd.
1: So, of course, you're uh, going through this training camp with your uh, coach and teammate, David Robbins. Headman man over at American Killer Bees, uh, you know, uh, in the in the year or so preceding this, there's always been talk of you guys making pro debut, but you know, the probably general consensus would be that it would not be on the same card. Uh, any surprise that it ended up being on the same card? And and how exciting is it to kind of go through this process with him? Uh, and uh, you know, I'll kind of ask him the same question next week. Obviously, from a coaching standpoint, it may be a little more stressful, I guess, for him.
7: Uh, you know, I mean I, I, I can't really speak for David, but uh, I'm ready to kick the damn door in. I mean it it's got me pumped up because you know, David's supposed to be the first professional fight and be the one to close out the pros. And so David's gonna kick the door in and start the damn tempo and then I'm gonna finish the night with a hell of an overhand.
1: <laughs> so, of course, it's going to be at the Cotton Eye Joe, uh, you know, it, anybody that has, you know, been to the Cotton Eye Joe knows it's a, you know, it's, it's a staple in Knoxville for, uh, for Country Western uh, clubs, a uh, club of the year, actually, last year. And uh, lots of people get thrown out for fighting. You're going to get to fight in there legally uh, in the main event. Talk a little bit about that and the atmosphere we can expect at this, uh, at this venue. It should be pretty rowdy, I think.
7: I think it's going to be awesome. Like, uh, you know, it reminds me of back to Talladega. you know, getting to fight in front of all those uh, drunk rednecks out there. I loved it. Those are my people. So, uh, honestly, I've got a big crowd coming. David's got a crowd coming to watch him. We both kind of got our, you know, separate van- fans. Like, he normally uh, kind of pulls the people from the gym and Cleveland area, and then I normally pull, like, uh, different people I know from Chattanooga and Saudi and stuff like that. Um, So I I mean, we're gonna have a good mix of crowd in there, and then we've been getting a lot of work in with uh, KMAA. So like uh, you know, they'll have their good crowd in there. I I think it's gonna be awesome. I think uh, honestly, I I think it's gonna have as much electricity as uh, the Saudi event did.
1: I, I I think I agree with you man I'm really pumped for it and it's been a few months since we've had an event and I think that uh, people are going to be ready for it and we've got just such an uh, an electric mix of fighters on this card if you will that have big fan bases so I think the place is going to be buzzing for sure so uh you know before uh, before we, we cut out of here man I, I want to let you uh, give me a prediction like what is what is w- w- will you go out on a limb and will you will you give me a prediction on this fight obviously I think you know that we know that you you know, you think you're going to win. Are we going to get a finish? Or, you know, is this going to be – We're going to get a first-round finish. A first-round to.
7: John Hall's not going to survive five minutes with me. You can look back. I've got a longer win streak than he has a fight record. That's all I got to say. You heard and it. He first. I guarantee first. Most of
1: them – sorry. Uh, go
7: ahead. No, them, go ahead. It, uh, they Most of them didn't survive longer than six minutes and that was with three minute rounds and a minute break in there so how do you think John Hall is going to survive for five I don't think he survives that water
1: I'm uh, I, so you've heard it here Billy has gone on the record he is calling a first round finish in this big main event next week Billy before we uh, jump off here I'm going to give you the floor give some shout outs where they due any sponsors, training partners, family friends, uh, all that kind of stuff you, you've done it before
7: uh, I would like to thank all, all my uh, fans and uh, friends, family, um, everybody I train with at AKB uh, that's helped me put the work in. Uh, Israel Gomez and American Kirby's headquarters down in Florida. Um, we went and got work in with them this camp. Um, the people up at KMAA, uh, Eric Turner, Joey Zonar, events, all those people, we got good work in with them uh, this camp. Um, just like you said, all my friends, family, I'd I like to – You know, I I love the support. It helps me uh, keep going. Um, And then, like I said, I always like to kind of do it at the end of the shout-outs. You know, I'd like to say thanks to all the haters because all them out there calling me a fat ass, saying I got no hands, no chin. It's all right. I'm about to prove you.
1: This has been Big Sexy Billy Swanson. He's getting ready to main event next Friday night. Valor Fighting Challenge. Fight night at the Joe will be taking on John Hall. Two former amateur champions for Valor collide in their pro debuts. I'm so stoked for it. Thanks so much for the time, Billy. We'll see you next week.
7: Hi, thanks, Jeff.
1: That does it for another great lineup of interviews. Thanks to everyone for taking uh, us a few minutes out of their evening to talk to us before they get ready uh, for their big fights next weekend in Knoxville. Before we uh, sign off, it is time to get to our picks for this weekend's UFC Fight Night 138. It is in Moncton, uh, Canada, which uh, from the best I uh, can tell is in the southeastern portion of Canada. And I think it's the first time they've ever been there. It's it's a bit of an underwhelming card, and we're not going to... Just uh, you know, dive crazy deep into this one like we like we normally do, uh, because the last time we did that on a card like this, we lost our asses, and hopefully you all uh, didn't, but <laughs> we did. And so I'm not going to put myself out there again like that on this. But there are some plays that I think could be of value, uh, and on this one, and uh, it goes down Saturday evening, and uh, it all starts on the uh, Fight Pass prelims, which is going to start. It looks like at 6:30. Um, again, this is in uh, New Brunswick. Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. Uh, going into this, Justin and I uh, had, a, had a good week last time. We uh, we came up a little bit. Uh, I am still down slightly, but uh, at 8.52 units still remaining, so I'm down 1.48 and hopefully I can at least get back to even here. Justin uh, has is, is on the come up a little bit, still has 6.1 units remaining, uh, which is better than the 4-point whatever he used to have. So, uh, Justin, uh, before we get going uh how how pumped are you for this card overall i know that it isn't the best card but it is also the first ufc card in three weeks and i think there won't be another break till like christmas
2: oh man i'm so pumped this, this is probably the fight of the year um no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh, probably we'll just record it i don't know if i'll even uh, stay up for the whole thing but um a lot of times you get you get cards like this where there's a lot of unknown people and we um, get some fun fights out of it, so it's probably be fun to watch.
1: We'll get going here with this thing. Uh, we start with the five-pass five, press, five pass prelims. There are three of them. Um, yeah, there are three of them. It starts off with uh, Stevie Ray. Uh, this is a lightweight fight. Stevie Ray from Scotland, 21-8, and eight, taking on Jessen Ayari. Uh, German is 16-4, and four, moving down from welterweight. Uh, the uh, the odds on that fight uh, they opened up uh, with uh, with Stevie Ray a pretty heavy favorite uh, and uh, you know he opened up actually at minus two fifteen but the actions come in on Ayari and he uh, the the action uh, has bid uh, Ayari to now uh, all the way uh, let's see it looks like Ayari's now plus one thirty. And uh, Stevie Ray's only minus one fifty, so uh, a little bit of uh, value on Stevie Ray, I think. There, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not. I, I'm not sure that I'll bite on it, but uh, I think that uh, that much action coming in the other way. I was leaning towards Stevie Ray anyway, even when he was minus minus two fifteen. Also on the uh, the un- undercard, there uh, heavyweights, uh, two heavyweight prospects, Arjan Bueller, uh, seven and one, a former uh, Canadian Olympic wrestler, there out of uh, AKA. Uh, with Daniel Cormier and company taking on Marcelo Golm six and one Brazilian, uh, and then uh, also at lightweight we have Don Madge seven three and one from South Africa. Uh, fought all his fights with the uh, the South African show. There, shit, it's the EFC. I can't remember exactly what that stands for. Uh, and uh, he's fighting Tay Edwards, who we saw in the Contender series. Uh, pretty good prospect, six and one. Um, Bueller, uh, also uh, the favorite. I should add, he Bueller uh, opened up. It looks like uh, as the favorite. And uh he has remained the favorite he opened at minus one seventy five he's been bet to minus two ten and um and then in the craziest line flip uh, Don Madge actually opened as the favorite and I thought that was odd. He opened at minus three oh five and that line has completely swung around to where uh, tay Edwards is now the favorite at minus four eighty five and Madge comes back at plus three eighty five um of these first three fights um. I really w- was thinking about playing uh, Stevie Ray, uh, but uh, I don't think I've got enough uh, confidence to, to to do it. I do like Bueller. I think that I think that his wrestling will probably be enough to to, to grind the decision against Golm And uh, man, I, I I really like Tay Edwards. Um, but at minus four eighty five I don't think I can pull the trigger on it because he really hasn't fought anybody, so uh, of all these three i I probably would 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 go towards Bueller as a play, and we'll get into it a little bit later because I'm going to parlay him with someone, but no straight plays for me in this first set of three. Justin, your thoughts
2: uh, yeah I'm with you I'm, I'm not doing any straight plays I'm going to uh, parlay uh, Bueller and Stevie Ray uh, here a little later, but um no straight plays on the, on the uh, early prelims there.
1: Kind of a, an odd assortment here in, in that first little bunch. It's really just kind of, uh, you know, random prospects thrown together. And uh, I don't know that I expect a whole lot of action either, to tell you the truth. I think Stevie Ray's usually in kind of entertaining fights, but uh, I think the heavyweight fight could be a, could be a sludge. You know so uh, moving on to the Fox Sports one portion uh, of the prelims we have uh, four fights uh, on, on that segment and that one that will start at eight o'clock on Saturday night you have female action 135 pounds Sarah Moras uh, taking on Toledo Bernardo four and three the Brazilian uh, at 145 you got Calvin, uh, Calvin cater 18 and three he's been in a lot of really exciting fights. Taking on uh, the, uh, the UFC debuting, Chris Fishgold, 17-1-1. One and, one, and that's a cage warriors champion. Really good submission guy. That, that's a sneaky good fight. Uh, at 155, you have Nasrat uh, Hockpast. I probably butchered that. 9-2, a uh, really hot uh, prospect. I, I believe they're really high on him. Taking on Thibaut uh, Goatee, the Italian, 12-4. And, and rounding out the prelims, it is Nordin Taleb. Canadian, 14 and 5. French Canadian, should I say, 14 and 5, taking on Sean Strickland, 19 and 3. Uh, just kind of a quick rundown on the odds. Uh, Sarah Moras uh, 170 over Bernardo, plus 150. Calvin Cater, minus 270 with Fishgold, plus 230. Uh, Hawk Frost, minus 900 uh, with Guti coming back at plus 600. And then uh, almost a pick uh, Sean Strickland, minus 120. We tallied him back at even money. Um, you know, looking at this overall, I'm never really that impressed with uh, Sarah Mouros, but she probably does enough to win here against Bernardo, who's been pretty underwhelming. I still don't like it enough to make a play. Um, Calvin Cater and Fishgold could be a fight of the night candidate. I kind of do like Fishgold at the odds at plus 230, but Cater's so damn tough. Uh, I really don't know if I can pull the trigger, but I think Fishgold may hold a little bit of value there at plus 230. Uh, there's no way I could swing the minus 900 on Hot Cross, but although I do think that he is uh, the guy that, that they want to see win, and I think that uh, that Guti will probably engage him in a firefight, the total is uh, one and a half. Round so I would contemplate an underplay there, but still, I mean, uh, it's not a, it's not, it's not something that I feel just great about. <laughs> and then Taleb and Strickland, uh, I really don't have a lean on that either. I, I would initially lean towards Taleb, but it's not just a real strong feeling on any of it. Justin, I think, I think uh, uh, uh,
2: the uh, the best fight out of that's probably going to be Taleb and Strickland. Um, they're both at well. I think I got my odds from the wrong place, but they're both, where I had them, they were both uh, minus 115. Mm -hmm. Um, Calvin Calvin Cater, uh, I think that, you know, like you said, fishgold has got a good opportunity in front of him. um, Kind of, you know, just an an unknown and uh, coming in and fighting a guy who's already kind of made a name for himself. So Fishgold, you know, has the potential to to steal that. Um, However, I'm going to take Cater in a parlay with – Bueller and Ray uh, for
1: half a unit. All right, so a three-way parlay for Justin there uh, would uh, would pay back one point two one. So a half unit would win back one point two one units. Uh, on that three way parlay. And that actually sounds pretty safe. Uh fairly safe as long as Fishgold doesn't find a submission. I think Cater is really tough though, and he'll be really hard to finish regardless. But um but Fishgold could be dangerous. I do like Bueller and Ray for sure and 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 certainly wouldn't be surprised to see Cater get that. So that's actually not a bad little payback uh, you know, on that three way. Is that is that pretty much the extent of your uh, insight on the prelims? Yeah, yeah,
2: there's not a lot of uh... The only other one I, I would really talk about much would probably be uh, Mraz. The Mraz fight is going to be uh, pretty interesting. Two really bad wrestlers that are going to be searching for a submission. So um, it could be just an ugly stand-up fight. I don't know. But it'll probably be uh, a fight that's not you know, not up to, to par with uh, what you normally see in the UFC.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could agree with that. Uh, going on to our main card, it's a six-fight main card, and uh, it looks like uh, looks like it's going to be on Fox Sports One as well, and that starts late at 10 o'clock. Uh, we have a uh, welterweight matchup, Co- uh, Court McGee. It's been a while, it seems like, since we've seen Court McGee, uh, 18 and 7, taking on Alex Garcia, 15 and 5, out of TriStar. Very um, Hard-to-read guy. Garcia is a, you know, he's a stud, but he, sometimes he doesn't fight like a stud. Then Court's really tough. Um, that fight um, right now sees Alex Garcia as a minus-190 favorite with Court McGee coming back at plus-165. Uh, light heavyweights, we have Ed Herman taking on John Volante. This is two vets, two gatekeepers, you know, that, I mean— Ooh, I don't know. that one. This one could be an ugly one. Uh, John Volante, minus 245. Ed Herman coming back at plus 205. And then uh, in Bantamweight action, Andre Sukumta, minus 225 over the late replacement, Jonathan Martinez, at plus 185. Uh, of these three, Justin, anything that jumps out to you? I'll let you go first.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm going to do a parlay on uh, John Volante and uh, Sukumtai for one unit. Oh yeah, I kinda like that. Yeah, Sukumtai, you know, he was a, a pretty hot prospect. Um he he lost to uh Sean O'Malley, but you know, it's not it's not a big deal I don't think. And uh Vellante I think is a pretty sh- pretty sure shot too. Um so pretty comes out at pretty even money there I think, so throw a unit on that.
1: Yeah, those guys, uh, that pays back uh, 1.03. So uh, one to win, uh, what w- will pay back essentially 2.03. And that I kind of like a lot, actually. I, uh, I think that um, Sukumtai is a great play. I, I really think that's a, this is a really big step up for Martinez, who's got a good record, but he's been inactive, A. And B, he's not fought anybody. Uh, you know, I think that uh, this is just a massive step up for, for him, and I don't think he'll be ready to answer the call. Uh, I am also going to take uh, uh, Sukum Thai, and I'm going to parlay him with Arjon Bueller, uh, who we spoke about uh, just earlier. And he's minus uh, minus 200. And so uh, I'm going to put a full unit on that parlay, and uh, that's going to pay back 1.17, so a total of 2.17 uh, on that parlay, uh, and that is Bueller and Sukumtai, And I'm only got one more left in me. <laughs> the truth after these, uh, after we get into these last three, uh, the feature bout, another light heavyweight fight, lots of light heavyweight fights on this one. Misha Sirkinov taking on uh, another one of these gatekeepers, Patrick Cummins, another uh, kind of John Vellante esque. Um, Misha Serkanov, uh, one time pretty hot prospect, but has. Uh, has uh, started to drop off here in his last couple. He's minus 450, though, here. He's a big favorite over Patrick Cummins. Coming back at plus 360. Ah, It's a pass for me, Justin.
2: Yeah, I'm going to yeah. pass on that one, too. Um, Suganov, you know, he, he got knocked out his last two fights. Uh, First-round knockout, so that's kind of, you know, kind of leave you suspicious there. Um, but, you know, at the same time, Cummins is not – you know, a big power puncher or anything like that. So, um, you know, you may see, see Cummins just uh, out wrestling, but um, I don't know. I think I may end up taking a chance on it Friday and throwing something at Cummins, um, just just at, the, at those odds, but um, nothing on here for sure.
1: Brings us to our co-main event, another late replacement, kind of a, a ripple effect from the whole Conor Khabib debacle. It's Artem Lobov taking on Michael Johnson at featherweight. Artem Lobov uh, originally supposed to take on a teammate of Conor McGregor's who was pulled from that fight after their their brawl. Um, And Michael Johnson steps in late notice and comes in as a big favorite. Michael Johnson minus 600. Uh, Lobov coming back at plus 450. I definitely see why Johnson's the favorite. I uh, but man, there's there's something about. I've just got a feeling here for some reason that I think Lobov might catch him. I, you know I, we've seen Johnson kind of cave under pressure before. He he does have a button that can be pressed with a knockout, but uh, you know I think he is the more well-rounded, more skilled fighter. I just think at plus four fifty, it's worth a quarter unit, a quarter unit from me on Artem Lobov plus four fifty, uh, Justin. Yeah, um, it's it's
2: unfortunate for Lobov, um, you know, to go from uh, Zabura to uh, to Michael Johnson. But I'm with you. I, mean, I think that there's, you know, there's possibility that, that Lobov could come out and surprise him. I just uh, always look at Lobov as just being Conor's punching bag. And, you know, the only reason that he's really in the UFC is just because of Conor. I think.
1: What's right like you? What,
2: what was that? I said, that's hard to argue. Yeah, he's like two and four, I think, in the UFC or something. To, um, I mean, but he always fights, you know, tough guys. So um, I think he had a few options for this fight, and he asked for Michael Johnson. So, you know, more power to him there. I'm not going to make a play on it but uh, on here, but I may end up throwing something at him at Lobov uh, Saturday just just because of the odds there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I hear you. That it, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much the same. I'll probably regret it doing it on here, but I'll, I'll feel really good if he comes through with it. <laughs> uh, but brings us to the main event, and that is uh, another light heavyweight bout. It is Vulcan Ozdemir uh, versus Anthony Smith, and this is a fight that opened with Ozdemir um, at a heavier favorite than he is now. Uh, he is now minus one sixty. But uh, but he opened uh, more up around, you know, like, minus 200. Uh, so he, the, all the, the action has come in on Anthony Smith. My initial lean was Anthony Smith, and but now the, it doesn't feel as good, because, uh, only getting back plus 140, because I do think Ozdemir is, is probably, you know, it, they're probably going to strike. And I think Ozdemir has more, like, one-hitter-quitter type power if they get into these prolonged exchanges, but he could gas too. So, like earlier in the week, I would have been on Smith. The line as it is now, I probably will stay off of it. Although uh, I am very tempted to play uh, to play uh, something on the under one and a half rounds at minus one twenty. I'm not going to, but anyway, when it comes fight not, I may. Justin,
2: yeah, going under wouldn't be a bad idea. Most these guys, you know, they. Uh, part of the promotion for it is um, their fastest knockouts. I believe uh, Anthony Smith's is 22 seconds and Uzemir's is 15 seconds. So um, you can always get a, a fast knockout there. Smith, you know, since he went up to 205, he's, he's looked good. He fought, you know, two veterans that are well past their prime. So yeah, you can't make, uh, can't, can't hold too much uh, to that, but, uh I think he may uh, overlook Smith, and uh, I'm going to take a half unit on Smith on this one.
1: Half a unit on Anthony Smith. Get back 0. 0.7. Um... I can, I, I can appreciate it uh, for sure. I can, I can see Smith winning. I, don't, uh, I just don't have enough faith that he doesn't get clipped at some point because uh, he has shown that he's got the button too. So uh, that kind of wraps up our picks for uh, our straight bets here. Uh, to recap, uh, I've got a parlay for one unit. With uh, Andre Sukumta as well as uh, Arjun Bueller, uh, one pays back 2.17, uh, and then a little flyer quarter unit on Artem Lobov at plus 450 uh, quarter unit will win me 1.37, uh, and then we have uh, of course a three-way parlay from Justin, a half unit will win one uh, will win back 1.71 units on Calvin Cater, Arjun Bueller and Stevie Ray, and then a, another parlay, uh, with, uh, Andre Sukumta, uh, uh, and I've had a complete brain fart because I wrote down the wrong person for his other part of that parlay, Volante, sorry, start that over, and then, of course, a two-way parlay with Andre Sukumta and John Volante, uh, that is a half unit, uh, on that parlay as well. And then, of course, uh, a, a straight play plus 140 from Justin on uh, on Smith. And that would be uh, a half unit wins back 0. 0.7 units uh, for shits and giggles. We've got DraftKings. I'm going to we're going to mess around with as well. we'll give you both uh, our lineups for the DraftKings. Lineup. I'm going to be more uh, for the DraftKings contest, if you will. I'm going to be more geared towards that this week. I'm not going to put a lot of straight bets out, I think, because I just have a feeling I may lose. So <laughs> looking at this uh, DraftKings slate, man, I've I've my, my lineup. Uh, I, I'm going with people that I feel confident may get finishes uh, if they win. And so I, I spent the money on Nasrat Hockprost. I think he's definitely going to get a finish. I think Andre Sukimta is a play to get a finish. Uh, Arjon Bueller, not necessarily a play to get a finish, but potentially to rack up a lot of takedowns, which are worth so many points there on DraftKings. Uh, and then I took both Volkan Ozdemir and Anthony Smith in hopes of getting a bit of a slugfest. Um, and with some knockdowns, and, and then uh, I didn't have much money left after that, so I went with the Artem Lobov flyer. He may end up losing altogether, but if he does win, he'll probably win with a knockout. Justin?
2: Uh, yeah, I kind of do the same. I took uh, Sukumkov, uh, Phoebe Ray, uh, and Strickland, and Smith, kind of hoping for finishes, um, and then I took uh, Moraz and uh, Alex Garcia. Um kind of for the takedowns, and hopefully they can score up some points there.
1: So we'll see how all this shakes out next week. Also next week, it is going to be our full preview of the uh, Fighting Challenge, Fight Night the Joe. We'll do a full card rundown, uh, full uh, preview as well with uh, some more interviews. We'll talk to David Robbins next week. We'll talk to more as well as recap uh, this UFC Fight Night and our picks, for better or for worse. Uh, then for my co-host, Justin Watson and Tim Lloyd, Signing out, Valor Hour, episode 86. See y'all
0: next week. For more information on upcoming events, visit ValorFights.com or find them at Valor Fights on both Facebook and Twitter. This has been the Valor Hour, powered by the law offices of Ogle, Elrod, and Beryl on Radio Influence. This is a We've Seen That Quick Fix on Radio Influence. If I say to you, point blank, best baseball movie and why, Jay Betzel, go for it.
4: If you and I are just sitting at a hotel in Dallas when you're in town to talk to to do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers-Cowboys game, I would probably say there's a tie for seven or eight and just keep going. But for the purpose (laughs) of this, I'm going to go with Field of Dreams. Ah, Uh, Kevin Costner, who we know is in a plethora of baseball movies, this is uh, his movie. He plays um, Ray Kinsella, and he basically plows his entire cornfield in Iowa and builds a baseball field off of a voice telling him, "If you build it, he will come." And he and he kind of thinks it's all based around the uh, 1919 Chicago White Sox was turned into basically the Chicago Black Sox scandal, and the he would be Shoeless Joe Jackson. But as the movie goes on, you know, you kind of get to meet some of these older players. There's some the cast is amazing. Got Burt Lancaster, Ray Liotta, obviously mentioned Kevin Costner, Timothy Busfield, Amy Madigan, and there's a lot of different kind of storylines that kind of overlap one another. But in the end, if you build it, he will come. revolves around his father, and he gets to play catch with his father, who he didn't play catch with when he was a teenager because of a lot of uh, stuff that was kind of going on at that time, and he was kind of rebellious. You know, and as, as a lot of people as they grow older, they start to kind of realize some of the stuff that they cared a lot about didn't matter as much. Kind of one of those kind of movies where, yes, it's a baseball movie as Roots, but in reality, it's kind of like our our generations. You know, our show is basically 80s and 90s movies, and this came out in 1989, right in the middle of all of it. It's kind of like our generation's It's a Wonderful Life, if you will. It's just a really good, fun, happy movie with a great ending.
0: We've seen that with TJ Reeves and Jay Betzel can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.